Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back in 1998 and like sand through an hourglass these are the days of our lives as me james p trash can cream cheese conrad the third also known as jim alongside hollywood harry heath pierce discuss the ongoing soap opera between the reinas and the burhalters because another chapter was added yesterday after u.s soccer's investigation which was conducted independently by the first uh excuse me by alston and bird and they came out with their findings now a couple things, Hollywood Heath, before we dive in. We're going to be without our resident Billy Big Timer, Charlie Davies, who's sipping nine ties on a beach amazing. in the Dominican Republic. It's crazy. It's, it's For a man that has only time, he sure doesn't seem to have much time, you know, for us. <laughs> uh, you know, for a man who's basically retired and living his dream, he, he, he sure seems to run out of time when it comes to just yeah. sitting down with you and I and, you know, catching up. Just catching up. Yeah, a little emergency pod action. He had a lot to say when, when uh, a little earlier when this all dropped. But uh, mm-hmm. where are you, Chuck? Where is Chuck in the world? Where It's like, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? But he is mm-hmm. currently in Dominican Republic. We do know that. Also, I want to let everybody know that we have a big reaction to the roster being dropped tomorrow for the Nations League. We're also going to touch upon Alejandro Zendejas committing his future to the U.S. men's national team as well. We will not discuss that today. Instead, we're going to focus on the Reinas and the Burhalters. But, I, I, you know, Heath, I want to state a few prefaces, and I think I speak for both of us here. The first one is this whole situation really, really sucks for Rosalind Burhalter, Greg's wife. She has to, she's had to relive a difficult time in her life when the Reina family first brought it up back in December and now has to live through it again with more intimate details being available to the public this time around. And I can't imagine how shitty that is for her on so many levels, including being a parent. Because if her kids didn't know this information between her and her and their dad, uh, that that would be that's a tough and, and everybody else now knows it. That's that's got to be really difficult. Second, what Greg did back then was absolutely reprehensible. But based on this report, we're learning more that he he looked like he was working hard to rectify the situation immediately, which I thought was pretty important after it happened and has worked hard to become a better man because of it, which is a testament to their long marriage. Now, with this said, I've been clear in my position, Heath, about not wanting him back as a coach. I, I put it out on Twitter. I've said it here multiple, multiple times, even though I feel like he's accomplished some good things. Obviously, qualifying for a World Cup was a must that had to happen. Uh, owning Mexico in some big games, Nations League final, 
the Gold Cup final, not losing to them in World Cup qualifying, actually getting a Dosicero at home, which is important, and getting this out of the group in the World Cup. Now, I didn't necessarily like his man management during in-game management, I should say. And obviously, this Gio Reyna stuff. And we're going to get into the timeline of events when he mentioned how he handled Gio in a leadership conference, after, which really triggered the Reynas and really set this whole thing uh, into where we are now. But I just think the players need to hear a new voice. And so whether you liked him or didn't like him, I just think four years is enough. And now the players need to hear somebody different. And I hope that that's the way that it goes. I put out a tweet, Heath, just to put a bow on this. Mm-hmm. That said that that I think Claudio is going to get what he wants. And we're going to get into the details again. We're going to go timeline and get into the details of what this report said. That, that said, Claudio is going to get what he wants. I don't think Greg's going to get rehired. But I think it cost him his career, at least his post-playing career, and his reputation. And I hope that he thinks it's worth it. There's a lot of people out there that saw that tweet and thought, yes, it's going to be worth it because Greg's not going to come back. And I understand that side of it who have a very emotional attachment to the team. But but uh, anyway, your 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 thoughts on this? Yeah, I think one. Uh, I think you're right. I think that U.S. soccer um, will be able to move past Greg Berhalter as a uh, in contention for the the next four years because of this. I don't think that's necessarily right to do because I don't think it has anything to do with this uh, with him being a coach. I think, like you said, Claudio Reyna, I believe, <clears throat> will achieve his desired outcome um, from this whole process. I don't think it was worth it. If you were probably to ask them, they probably don't think it was worth it, right? I think there are people that have been close to Claudio Reyna that will probably never speak to him again. I think there will be a lot of consequences for him on a personal and professional level that are not forgivable. I believe Claudio will emerge and and Danielle will emerge. I, I think Danielle probably more so, even though there's probably more in there about her as much or as much as about her as, as Claudio. She's Mama Bear. Mama Bears um, protect the Cubs. And that is a visceral emotional reaction that I think uh, doesn't make it okay. But I think something that you can feel human, anybody who's had uh, a, a mother or 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 um, you know is in a home with with a mother. Uh, I, I don't think that. The question is now for me, Jimmy, is where do we go? Where do we go from here, right? So, yes, this allows us to get on here and talk about, okay, now we know there's more facts presented. Uh, the Burhalter statement was accurate with what they provided uh, prior to the investigation in terms of how it went about. There was some exaggeration from the Reina side in terms of, like, nodding close to being the truth before this investigation happened in terms – and not truth, but accurate um, – this information has come out. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of people that don't believe this report. They're going to think that U.S. soccer, this is like an inside job. We saw um, uh, the, the agent of, of uh, the Reynas uh, speak up and say that this was a one-sided report uh, that solely benefits the Federation. Um, and but, but, but from what I understand, the report said that Claudio did not make himself available or made it difficult to make him. Yeah, he was- they, they attempted to make time. And, and it never happened. Um, so to, Danielle did get on record. She did get interviewed once or twice, I guess, towards the end of the year. But yeah. that Claudio was never made himself available. And to your point, I just want to give some context. Dan Siegel, the agent of Claudio and potentially Gio, I don't even know. But but definitely Claudio has basically said that this is a one-sided thing. But if you're not going to accept an interview or at least make time to share your side of the story, of, of course it's going to feel a little one-sided if you're – well, and the investigation, like you said, like the investigation, like you said, they talked they talked to Danielle the first time. Uh, this is Danielle being the mother of, of Gio Reyna. 
And she spoke out and said, I didn't do this. I'm not speaking. I can't talk about it. None of that happened. And then called back immediately based on what the investigation says and said, I did say, or, you know, she, she said, basically she did say it. Um, and so for me, this now leaves us in, in a spot where leave all that aside, right? We've got to make peace from that. We've got to move on from that. It's wrong in a lot of ways. You said it really well about Greg Berhalter 31 years ago to, to, to at that age, especially to go and seek uh, your ability to, to, um, to, to seek help, to seek to improve your life and make changes to your life, I think is a, a really powerful thing to do at that age. I'm not sure I would have had the same sort of um, wherewithal. wherewithal, having said that, completely unique circumstance and tough to say, you know, if, if, if you were involved in, in, in that type of situation. But now we have to go and find a coach, right? And I think this basically means Greg is, is out. Um, but what I did want to share with you, Jimmy, while we have that, and, and it looks like we're looking at um, the there's the statements from the Reinas. Where so, so do you find in the statement that there was they didn't apologize for anything? They didn't say anything was a lie in the report. They just said it was one sided. I find that I find that to be interesting. Because- well, I think when you get into these situations, Jimmy, you're you're you either compound and you hold you hold your ground on your statement and your stance and where you feel. Obviously, you have a very subjective. Uh, perspective of how everything goes down right if you and i went out and had a had a had a a a kick around we would probably remember different things right and we would uh could disagree and argue over who made more mistakes and who did what so i think perspective is one thing um but then there's also just the idea of like you know family protection you, you know trying to protect your 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 name if there is something that extreme and it's wrong then i think we'll see something come out of the back of this but i think this is probably the last step in this um in this journey between all of them, I think well, probably these yeah. irreparable damage um, for the Reinas and U.S. soccer and the distant friends and families who they've been close to for so long, whether that's Ernie Stewart, Greg Berhalter, Brian McBride, others, um, uh, Tony Lapore, anybody that's been in the Federation um, and, and had to deal with this, whether that's Michael Cameron, whether whoever that is, you know, I, all of those names weren't mentioned in, in, outside of Greg Berhalter and Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride. But like I'm assuming it's a, like you said, it's a pretty small world over there. And I think that's going to be hard to come back from. The question is now, where do we go? Where do there we go? are no winners here. I should add that in one of my prefaces. Nobody wins here. I think that it's going to be very hard for Greg to he's not going to retain this job. I know that the, the Alston and Bird investigation concluded that its analysis leads us to state that the fact of the 1992 incident does not prevent an employer from employing Mr. Burhalter. Right. So, so just to make sure everybody, they, and, they went on to and say he wasn't up to say he didn't have to say that he didn't have to report it either because it was never uh, reported in itself to police or anything in his interview uh, to be hired. Right, right. The investigation did also mention that uh, Claudio Reyna had a pattern of periodic outreach to U.S. soccer officials over a six-year period, from 2016 to the end of 2022, in regards to U.S. soccer's treatment of its children, including primarily his son Gio Reyna. Apparently, that outreach uh, had complaints about referees at youth club level, U.S. Soccer Development Academy, including having no female, like he didn't want female refs, not refing uh, the, the men's side of the games, um, the travel accommodations for, for Gio at the U-17 World Cup, and obviously Gio Reno's role at the World Cup itself in 2022. And Claudio actually sent a text to Brian McBride saying our this is during the world cup our entire family is disgusted angry and done with you guys don't expect nice comments from anyone in our family about u.s soccer i'm being transparent to you not like the political clown show of the federation Mm. so so that's that's just one of the things that he said he said this claudio to to ernie Mm. stewart 
What a complete and utter joke. Our family's disgusted, in case you were wondering. Disgusted at how a coach is allowed to never be challenged and do whatever he wants. Is he talking? <laughs> kind of like that's what he wants for himself and Gio. An, unna- an unnamed U.S. soccer employee characterized Mr. Reyna's historical outreach as inappropriate, bullying, and mean-spirited. Uh, there was an email, as I mentioned, complaining about a female referee. And in all honesty, can we get real and have male refs for a game like this? It's embarrassing. What are we trying to prove? A game like this deserves better attention. It's it's this what is I, not. There's nothing in this. that's a really good look for Claudio. No. Uh, what what yeah. I would say, Jenny, uh, if you don't mind, if I jump in, uh, if you want to finish that thought. Oh, looks like Jimmy may have paused for a second. But what I wanted to say to the to, to the group then, I guess, because um, as Jimmy finds his way back onto the show, is that I think we. One of the upsides that I think we'll see out of this, and and I think cancel culture and the and the era that we're in is really tough. It's really tough to be anybody in anything. It is creating better things, uh, I want to say, but it's also very difficult. Um, but what I will say is that the extreme level of privilege that I think Claudio Arena showed showed was was habitual, and he was allowed to get away with it because there was nobody that was willing to stand up for it or address it. I think we're now at this point where we're probably going to see the end of that time period. Hey, Jimmy, what I was saying is that um, we're probably going to, at the end of that time period where you can have this level of bullying, right? What I think happens over time is you realize your power. And when you mix that power with being a parent, you can influence. And obviously, I think that's a, a, a period that hopefully is behind us in terms of somebody being able to build that much power and have that much influence. I think that's a, gr- a testament to the growth of the Federation, the growth of the game, where there's now a higher level of accountability, where somebody with the name Claudio Reyna can no longer get away with whatever he wants, whatever his side of the story is. There's a lot of facts in here. Um, he can no longer get his way because he's Claudio Reyna. He can no longer get his way for him, for his family, for his kids. And I think that is a big growth moment for U.S. soccer to get to this point where we are weeding out some of this uh, toxic uh, behavior, right? This is obviously an incident that happened that we know about, but it happened over time, multiple times um, across U.S. soccer in terms of these types of messages. And so I'm hoping um, we can move forward from this uh, and, and, and create that level of accountability for everybody moving forward. Hey, hey everybody, I'm jumping in here. Uh, I have to switch sets. we got 50-mile-per-hour winds and crazy rains where I live right now, so my power is jumping in and and out i know we're getting some questions about what claudio was like as a teammate he was the captain when i was on the team at the world cup in particular and i never saw anything from him that would fall into this category about what i'm reading now i looked up well, you the don't claudio get to be captain so you don't get to be captain you know like that's a that's a very powerful tool to have um if you are full of toxicity i guess to your team don't you think Agreed, 100%. And and, uh, I think he took a lot of pride in being the captain and how he conducted himself. And we followed him. He was a a good leader. He he spoke at the right moments. His timing was fantastic. You know, sometimes maybe I was that captain, maybe over-talked. And I thought that when he spoke, you listened. And and maybe more more attentively than you would somebody else that over-talks because, okay, if he's saying something – if Claudio is speaking to me or speaking to the group, our, our ears are wide open. And so I always always uh, loved playing with him. I thought he was one of the best players I ever played with. You, there's something about – and that translates, right? Your, your personality on the field, I think you, you can see those same types of instincts and habits and disciplines off the field. And I loved that I could give him the ball in any situation, and he always had a solution. And I felt like that's what he was doing. He, he, he built himself a post-career where he was in those problem-solving areas for clubs. 
whether it was with mm-hmm. the, the U.S. men's national team when he was trying to, you know, rework what we're trying to do as a, a, as a country in, 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 in planning our youth stuff and in our academy process or whether it was with NYCFC or with Austin. The guy's a problem solver. He's always been a problem solver. And this one, I think, was just so overly emotional. And I know they mentioned it in the apology about the death of their son, Jack, which is just – I can't even imagine. We've talked about this before. And I think that that part of this story is is important. I don't think you can just – it's intertwined into why they're reacting this way. They, they lost – they have the deepest grief possible. I mean, I couldn't even imagine losing one of my kids. And, and that ties into how they're trying to protect Gio. And I think that's what – I wish they would have conveyed that in some way that was – this feels just vindictive in the way that they've handled this whole process. And if they just want to come and said, hey, we, we – we, we just we're, we're we're it's hard for us to see one of our kids suffer because we've seen the the hardest suffering that the kids have ever had and we know that Gio's working through some stuff and I think if they had approached it in a different way this could have been and I even think the Burhalters probably would have reached out to them in a certain way like we get it you know we, we we've been friends with you for so long we understand we've seen you the pain and the suffering that you've gone through there's a middle ground here but they just swung so hard the other way. and and, and then obviously we have these these previous incidences with with Gio kind of trying to overstep his boundary where he he he's a parent he's acting like a parent but he's using his connections to influence things that he shouldn't right so it just gets really sticky and the whole thing's really sad and and that's not a side of claudio i ever saw as a player and uh so this this is it's disappointing for me as well i've looked up to this guy for so many years and for for, to see him act in this way uh, and and the, the nepotism that's obviously on full display here is is it's disappointing because you'd expect somebody of his pedigree and his experience to to act differently. Yep. I don't know. Anyway, let's take our first and only break of the show, and then we can get back into it a little bit more, especially on the side of what do we do moving forward. So don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an emergency podcast about the ongoing soap opera between the Reynas and the Burhalters and the U.S. men's national team in U.S. soccer and everything in between and moving forward. But before we get into a little bit more of our opinions on the future, we want to let everybody know about the now. In soccer, we trust, if you can believe this, we're still in disbelief ourselves, is a finalist in the soccer category for the Sports Podcast Awards, and we need your help. So please take a minute out of your day to vote for us. The link is in the description. It's also the QR code. We want to win a trophy. Our trophy cabinet is empty, and we need a trophy, everybody. So please make that happen for us. We'd really appreciate that. We love your support. And anytime I'm out and about, people come up and say nice words. Not necessarily much about Heath and Chuck, but a little bit about me. (laughs) So, no, we would really appreciate that. And uh, any liking and subscribing and telling your friends and giving five-star reviews on your podcast platform of choice. All that is welcome and appreciated, and uh, we love growing this community. And obviously, there's a lot to talk about for U.S. soccer, specifically about the U.S. men's national team moving forward. So this podcast is not going anywhere, and we want to make sure we're cementing our status by you voting for us to make that happen. All right, Heath, let's talk about the future. Yeah. Well, real real quick, Jimmy, I I posted, and you and I talked about it. I posted a photo recently 
Um, and it's at uh, Dr. Mandelbaum's office in Los Angeles. And it's got all of my heroes in one photo outside of like Kobe Jones, who was my other hero. And those people were Greg Berhalter, Claudio Reyna. They were uh, Brian McBride. There was Eddie Lewis, Eddie Johnson, who I admired because he was one of, he was from my, my age group that got into the national team. And you had mentioned that you were somewhere uh, not yeah, in the I, show, was in the, I was in the other line, yeah. but that, I know that's, yeah. that's like, a, and I was trying to, you know, I was looking, seeing if maybe it was Josh Wolf in the background. You could see just the side of his hair and things like this. And I, and I, I just want to preface what we're saying on the fact that like, I haven't had a, a single conversation with Claudio Reyna or Greg Berhalter in years, right? I don't have any ties to them. Uh, I, I've, I've done some work with Gio where Claudio was around five years ago, things like that. But I, I haven't had any contact with these guys. And these guys were, the people that I looked up to when I had my first camps around Eddie Lewis or Greg Berhalter, all these guys, I was just excited to be around them because two years before, one year before that, I was a college kid wondering if I'd ever have a chance. And now here I am next to these people that you, you know, you dream of. So I want to preface that, that like, I don't think like I've got admiration for them. I've got respect for all of them for what they've done, but I don't have any personal ties. I'm not part of the friend and the family group um, within these people, but talking about moving forward. And I think you, you're probably maybe in the same boat, maybe closer to, to, to some people from that because you played in the actual national team where both of them were, were I haven't talked to them in years either. The last time I spoke with Claudio was when I was still living in New York about five years ago. I mean, we, we talked to try to get him on the podcast. Maybe we interviewed him once yeah. when he was at Austin FC, but 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 like sat down and actually talked to him was back when he was yeah. still at NYCFC. And then the last time I saw Greg was at Ziggy Schmidt's funeral. Rest in peace to Zig. So, yeah, uh, but I haven't really had any inter- interactions okay. with them. OK, so the reason I say that is, is because I've got I've got no ties. I think your stance on Greg Berhalter is probably more on the fact that it could have been anybody. And you were very much not a two cycle coach person. Right. Generally. Plus, plus maybe Greg Berhalter not being the right guy. But. I do want to share a few stats with you, and I think we'll share these as graphics in the future for people to understand because I think it's worth a debate, right? We are caught in this world of what's next. We don't have a coach. We don't have a GM. We don't have a sporting director. But I'm going to give you a few of these things, and we don't need to discuss this in detail because I think we'll have time. <laughs> you to can't the- throw these out. Okay. We can't how about, discuss them. <laughs> uh, how about, how about I'll, leave, I'll leave most of the details because we'll create some graphics in the future where producer Des or producer Alice can throw them up on the screen and we can make an entire episode out of, out of it. Right. Because if you were a player, Jimmy, and, and they were talking about, it was somebody that was telling me about uh, Kevin De Bruyne. when he went to do his new deal at Manchester city, they came in, his agent came in, not just with like a, Hey, what's he worth? He came in with statistics that said, sure, you want to keep him, but guess what? He is number one in all of these categories globally, you know, domestically, all these things. He is at the top of the charts. And there was a, that was a negotiation tool, right? To actually use hard data that says, it's going to cost you some money to keep this guy, right? It's going to, it's sure. like, you got it. It's not just because you like him or because your team wins championships. He's also the best. And this, the, the data doesn't lie. The data on Greg Berhalter puts him first in most categories. Now, we'll talk about all-time U.S. managers. All-time U.S. managers, you know, okay. including... You know, and some of them, which we'll get to, are, are more on like youngest team in the World Cups, you know, five points uh, in World Cup group stages, which is tied for the most. Um, there's there's um, 10 of the young, young, 11 youngest lineups in World Cup qualifying worldwide. Um, obviously, he doesn't necessarily control that, but, but kind of does. Wins in the calendar year, fastest coach, the uh, 30 wins, 72% highest. Uh, 72% is the highest win percentage of any U.S. national team coach. And then it goes down to some deeper details. And so I think it would be good and probably needs its its due course to sort of 
establish what we have and then talk about where we're going to get better with the next coach, right? Because okay. we talk a lot about the tactics. We talk about freedom. We, you mentioned Jim Curtin's, um, like we need to have less rigidity, which we've talked about Jose Mourinho, who's going to be very rigid. Um, and all of those pieces, I think it's worth the conversation. And, and again, probably not for today, but how do we move forward, right? How do you take the data and say, we're going to look past this data or we believe this is all just incremental growth for the players, for the coach and all these things that the next coach is going to be number one on all these categories. Cause it was like, you know, shots against, um, you know, um, give us the goddamn stats. He, you're holding out on us. Round. Yeah, such a buildup. It's a lot of things. It, uh, okay, let's go. Let's break it down one by one. Go ahead. I mean, it's going to take an hour if we do that, but okay. Um, all right. First team to get two shutouts in a world cup group stage. Um, 16.3 recoveries in opponents half per game ranked fourth of 160 of, of the last five world cups in 2010 us had 4.3 per game uh, ranked 158 out of six 160 in 2014 the us had five per game ranked 155th out of 60 4.8 open play shots per game conceded ranked ninth out of 160 this is again 160 of the last so 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 just just so just so i can conceptualize this all all these stats are proving is that we just we defended higher up the field yeah, I mean the game has changed too. The game is I get that. I get that. I'm just I'm just trying to make sure that we can we yeah. can kind of we, we can defended visualize up the field for sure. Higher up right? the field, and and we took those risks, which which ended up leading to some good stats. Which yeah. which I think okay. So let's take that and say okay, a coach, a new coach that can come in will be like, oh, thank you for these stats. I have a team that's good at doing X, and probably mm-hmm. can continue that or even continue to fine tune that uh, okay. to make it so even then, more effective. Because because it's how do you turn those. We, okay, we, move out we, of only style scored, of play. we only scored one goal in the group stages. Okay, right? move, move away from style of play. That wasn't an own goal. I'm just saying. I'm, listen, winning I, percentage, I, okay. highest winning percentage of anyone over 10 games in the U.S. national team for the last right. um, five World right. Cup cycles. That's awesome. Highest winning percentage in official competitions um, above Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley, Jurgen Klinsmann, Bora, Steve Sampson, and Bob Gansler. Highest home winning percentage, obviously, um, doesn't have that for, for, for matches on the road. Uh, games uh, highest uh, games unbeaten percentage of any national team coach um, uh, shutout right by game. He's at the highest of any national team coach knockout round winning percentage. He's higher than any national team coach um, win percentage when scoring first. That's a random one more need more context on that uh, goals per game by manager. Um, he's the highest of, of, of any national team coach goals against by game. He is by far the highest of any, any uh, national team manager. So there are some details. Now, I think we should spend some time in one of these episodes. We'll get graphics made, and we'll put these up on the wall, and, and we'll beat them to death to say, yeah, like you said, pressing higher up the field, that's a new style of play, right? That is a, a newer, trendier style of play, and that's also the principles and the tactics of which he deployed. So that's going to be higher than a team that's going to sit back because you're not going to win the ball that much in those situations. But I would love for us to look at that and put it into context of the next manager because we both agree that it's Greg's not going to get this next job. Do they need to win those categories? Is there a manager that's going to be better in those categories? Or what are the categories we want them to win that's going to prove that this team is, you know, Jim Curtin's comments versus where we are now type of thing? For, for me, my, my initial thing is transition. If, we're, if we are winning the ball higher up the field, how do we turn those into goals? Because as, as I was mentioning before, and those are impressive stats. You can't take those away from Greg Berhalter, who always have that. Yeah. And in some ways, I feel like he should – I don't know if it's going to get any better. I think it gets harder from here in, in some capacity because the expectations are higher, especially because we're hosting the World Cup. And and but again, him or someone else, they, we have to turn that type of possession and those turnovers high up the field and, into real goals. Right. Only scoring one goal in the group stages that wasn't a known goal. 
right? Is that correct? We had we scored against Wales, and we scored against and against Iran and the Pulisic. And how do we score against Wales? Oh, Tim away. So we scored two goals in the group stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just feel like with those numbers, which are impressive, it's the transition play. And and can we turn? And this is this isn't this is not isolated to Greg Berhalter. Whether whether we're coaching at the at the youngest levels, like how you turn opportunities into dangerous chances, bringing attacks to conclusion, as the great Heath Pierce likes to say. How, how do you get something positive from these things? It continues to put pressure on teams. Is very difficult, and and a lot of teams around the world struggle with this because ultimately, if you're a team that has a lot of possession. Let's say when we play against El Salvador and they sit in a low block, breaking down a low block is not easy, especially if a team is committed to putting 10 players in that low block. So how do we do that? That's going to be the next step, I think, for, for a, a rigid coach or, or one that's a little bit more Jim Curtin-esque based on his comments of letting them be themselves and play. So it, it's, uh, but it, but, but yeah, I think it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. My, I guess my, my final point on that is that we've established that we are at the end of this period, right? Claudio era, the drama, Greg Berhalter, not going to survive this, whether it was because they didn't want him or because this makes it so they can't have him. And now we need to start, stop reflecting and start sort of progressing or looking forward, right? In terms of like, even, even our focus, we need to start to now, like maybe this was a part that was holding up uh, the coaching search or holding up some of those things or whatever it is. It's safe to say that we've now got to look ahead and say, you know, where are we going from here? Well, for I think we're both on the same page that we need. uh, We're going to get a new coach. We need a new coach. But we have to walk before we can run. And that means putting the sporting director in place, putting a general manager in place who are going to ultimately make that decision because that's what they're accountable for. They're, They're the ones that are accountable for hiring and firing coaches. So that needs to happen first. So that's the first domino to fall. So let's just speak about the more immediate future, Heath. Let's talk about the future of Gio Reyna because this is going to follow him around for quite some time. I know that I had mentioned pretty early on that you couldn't call him in right now because there's just too much smoke. If, if you go into a press conference, and if I was U.S. soccer and he does get called in here, again, we're going to have a Nations League roster reaction tomorrow right after it gets dropped, so make sure you turn on notifications, be ready to go, or listen to us when you get the chance as we break it all down. But if he does get called in, I would not make him available for the press. That's one. But, but secondly, there's a part of me that kind of hopes he does and that he's around a group that's warm and comforting and trying to bring him in and be like, Hey, you actually do have somebody on your side and it's your teammates. Now, I don't know how significantly he burned some bridges during the world cup. That's only for him and the other guys to know for sure. But I'd like, we like to think we're getting to a point where maybe he does need the comfort of some familiar faces because it doesn't look like it's going great for him in Dortmund and it doesn't look like he's necessarily enjoying himself at, at the current moment. So I, I wonder that there would be a play there. I mean, obviously talent wise, you know, I just, he's got more yeah. talent than, than both of us combined. There's no question. Uh, but, but, well, I don't know if you want to agree to that. Yeah. Statement, no. <laughs> but I will. And, and, and so I, I, I just wonder, but I said early on that I think you just needed to let this whole thing play out and, and maybe bring him in, in during the summer after the European yeah. season is over. And once things have cooled down, I, I could still feel good about that statement. And if that's the way it plays out, cool. But, but there's a part of me now that thinks, God, he might just need, guy just needs a hug, man. You know? And I think if we, and I know it feels maybe a little Ted Lasso-esque, uh, but, but I'm willing to walk right into the Ted Lasso 
cliche because I do think that there there'd be something really powerful about having his teammates give him a big fat hug and welcome him back to the team. Yeah, I, 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 on Geo, I would say this is going to follow him until it gets it, until it gets hit head on. Right, you don't have mm-hmm. to put him into the press. But even with Geo not there, was he not called in because of whatever? Right. You, know, you still have to answer I, questions about it, right? You still have to answer questions. And I think the reality is he's a kid. It's not his fault. His attitude was his fault. And honestly, of the whole report, the thing that upset me the most is hearing how he acted. Because that's the most I can relate to is being in a locker room with people and seeing body language and how people can be good or bad teammates, right? And that kills me because I know that feeling of that toxic energy inside of a locker room. And it kills me to think about that because – He's a young man and still has so much time for the future that um, I'm hoping you bring him in, you address it, you work through it, and you keep going, and you allow him, you're talking about a two-week window, get back out, and then you've got some time to blow over versus allowing it to build, because I don't think there'll ever be a perfect time to bring Gio back in based on what took place, right? They're going to have to address it, whether it's now or in yeah. a year from now. So bring him back in, show some compassion, show some care for the kid, and then see how he responds, right? He's going to have to respond in a way that shows that his shoulders aren't slouched. He's not throwing his hands up in the air. He's showing him. Now, Gio is always going to be probably that guy on the field in terms of that competitive attitude. We know Clint Dempsey had that competitive attitude of, of demands around him and things like that. Uh, not the other sides. I'm speaking just about the competitive nature of, of Clint Dempsey and, and, and how his body language could be of like how high he held himself to from a standard standpoint and others around him. But Gio is going to have to, show that he's rounded a corner visually physically emotionally and i think just bring him in and 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 work through it yeah i'm at that that point too and as i've mentioned plenty of times my favorite version of Gio Reyna is when he's playing with a smile on his face and so we need to figure out how to get them or get him there and how we can or as a group or as a team can can make that happen so interesting times i think that this is the end of a part of the saga, I think this is going to be the beginning of a new part of it, which is kind of Geo's kind of taking the baton from like, we've come to the end of it from a legal standpoint. I think you've got to wait and see on what this and how this impacts Claudio and how it impacts Greg and their careers. I think their friendship is over as we, as we discussed and probably has been for a few months now or, but, but really now it's, it's up to Geo to kind of, to take it and run with it and try to turn it into something positive, something that everybody can build off of. And, and uh, that's me being as Mr. Silver lining as yep. possible, but I mean, we'll uh, find out tomorrow. Final thoughts on this final thoughts. on this. No, I mean, we'll find out tomorrow. You know, we're, we're speculating a lot on things. I think we hit it. Well, you know, it's a sad, everybody loses situation. I hope we yeah. can move past it. I don't have any hatred towards anybody. You know, I don't want to be in anybody's shoes. Who's having to be involved in this, whether you're U S soccer or the, the party's actually involved. Um, and I just hope that this is the end of this conversation. We can move on from it because I don't want it to be gossipy, gossipy stuff. I want it to focus on the game and these kinds of distractions while they're, they're, they're juicy detailed distractions aren't, um, aren't, aren't worth, uh, this much time and energy. You know, I'd rather focus it elsewhere. So those are my final thoughts. Final thoughts from Heath Pierce. Mine are tune in tomorrow. We got a roster reaction on Wednesday. Once the roster drops, we're going to be with you guys to come back and find us here on the YouTubes. Hit like, and subscribe, of course. And if you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, make sure you tune in, turn on your notifications, leave us a five-star review, and please vote for us. We want to win a trophy because we haven't won one just yet, and we we feel like we've put the hard work and sacrifice in. I don't know. Maybe you guys can judge. It's up to you guys now to make that happen. And we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Later. Later.